God, we give you honor and glory. Lord, we declare today that you are amazing. You're awesome in all your ways. Wonderful and marvelous and matchless, God. And Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together as a corporate body and to hear from you, God. And now, Father, as we have reached this pivotal moment in worship, Father, we just declare that there will be a special attention and focus turned to you, turned to your word, God. Father God, it's my prayer that you speak in this place on this day, that our hearts are encouraged, our minds are renewed, our spirits are strengthened, that our inner man becomes even stronger as a result of your word. Father, you said your word goes forth and it does not return void, but accomplishes every task for which it's sent. So, Father, we thank you for sending your word on today. God, we thank you for your word that is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So God, have your way in this place. We lift up Bishop Jackson to you, God, strengthening him in now, God. Father, we thank you for healing. We thank you for restoration. God, just minister a double portion of strength to his body right now in the name of Jesus. We bless you for what you're going to do in this place, in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, looking at. Verse 1, and it reads, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. And just read a little bit more. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood and striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For, for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? 
Amen. Amen. Just for a thought this morning, um, embracing the gift of the Father. Embracing the gift of the Father. Chapter 11 of Hebrews details examples of individuals who triumphed and overcame in their relationship with God. You see examples of, of Enoch being take, taken up. When Abel, offered Cain, when Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain and obtained the testimony that he was righteous, you see the example where when Abraham was called, he obeyed by going to a place which he was to receive for inheritance. You see, by faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. And as you read all through chapter 11, you see countless examples where, where people who triumphed and overcame in faith in their relationship with God. But the chapter concludes by saying, although they have gained approval through their faith, they have not received what it was promised because God has provided something for better for us so that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Amen. So that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Chapter 12 begins with the word therefore. Somebody say therefore. Amen. The definition of therefore is for that reason. Somebody say, for that reason. Consequently, because of that, on that ground, therefore. So in chapter 11, it said, they have, although they had gained approval through their faith, they had not received what was promised. So that apart from us, they apart from us, somebody say, apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So their perfection is hindered, is dependent upon who? Upon us. Upon us. He says, therefore, for that reason, because their perfection is dependent upon us, he says, therefore, for that reason, consequently, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Somebody say witnesses. Witness, one who has personal knowledge of something. A witness, one that gives evidence. I like this one. A witness, one asked to be present at a transaction so as to be able to testify to it as having taken place. That's a, that's a witness. Amen. You are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses because although they were successful in their faith, the prom, their promise of perfection is dependent upon you. Somebody say it's dependent upon me. It's dependent upon the manifestation of the sons of God. Amen? Amen. So the word says, so now let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So I've got, I've got to understand that this cloud of witnesses, although they were successful in their faith, they are waiting on us and they, they are watching us. They are watching us in this race. They are watching us in this race. Why? Because they have received something. They, because we have received something that is critical and pivotal as it relates to their being made perfect. Abraham is watching us because we have received something that is pivotal to his perfection. 
to his being made perfect. He did not receive, he has not received that as great as he was. He has not received what it is God has given to us. God has positioned us for us. So now we see that we are in, we are in a race. So the writer in Hebrews says, now let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Jesus is the last example you see in this monologue of faith. He is the last example you see in, the, in, the, in this monologue of faith. What distinguishes Jesus from the cloud of witnesses is the fact that their faith in trying situations and circumstances made them worthy of note. Amen. How, how the, 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 the experiences that they went through, how they responded to what God was telling them to do, it made them worthy of note. If they weren't worthy of note, we wouldn't see them in the scripture. Amen? Amen. Their experiences were worthy of note because God asked God, God put a challenge or situation before them and they came out successful. Amen? Now, Hebrews 5, verse 7 says, In the days of his flesh, he, offered, he being Jesus, offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. Although he was a son, he learned obedience. Somebody say obedience. He learned obedience from the things he suffered. And having been made perfect, having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source, the source of eternal salvation, being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Now you go back to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus who is the author and the perfecter of faith. What distinguishes Jesus in this monologue of examples is the fact that everybody else had an experience of faith, an instance of faith, where God put them in a position where they had an opportunity to exercise faith. Jesus, however, Jesus, however, wrote the book on faith. Not only did he write the book on faith, but he perfected everything that encompasses faith. That's what distinguishes Jesus from the, re from the rest of the examples. So now he has perfected faith, and the word says, Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It was the faith of Jesus in a trying situation. Somebody say trying situation. How many of you know Jesus had a trying situation? Jesus had a trying situation. And when we look at the life of Jesus, when you look at, at what happened when he went into the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, if there's any way, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me, have any of you ever said if there's any way? Have we ever prayed, Lord, if there's any way? Nevertheless, nevertheless, not as I will, but it's okay to, it's, it's okay to pray if, if there's any way. It is, it is, it is all right. We are, we are human just as he was, 
and he has been tempted just as we are being tempted. So Jesus can identify with you coming before the throne and saying, Lord, if there is any way. He can relate to what you are going through when you're saying, if there's any way. But what he wants to teach you is to get to that point where you say, nevertheless. Huh? He wants to teach you so you get to that point where you say, nevertheless. Not as I will. Not as I will, but as, as, you, as you will. And that is, that, is, that is where the perfection of faith comes into play. Where that is the perfection of faith. Amen? If we are going to run this race with endurance, we have got to fix our eyes on Jesus. There's a race that God has set before you. Everybody has their own race. We are not in the same race. You, you, are, not, you are not in the same race as your neighbor. Y'all might live in the same city, the same street neighborhood, the same street, the side by side, or in the same house. Might even sleep in the same bed together. Who you sleep in the bed with? Your, your husband or your wife? They are not in the same race as you. Every race is different. Every race is marked with hills and valleys. Smooth places. Huh? I mean like smooth places. And bumpy terrain. Huh? Ups and downs. Highs and lows. Right? Huh? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Good times and bad times. What keeps you in the race is your endurance and your patience, not only in the good degrees, but the bad degrees. Amen? My eyes have got to be fixed on Jesus when things are good and when things are bad, lest I grow weary. Lest I grow weary and begin to faint. Amen. Not because I'm looking, not because we're looking for the rescue, but I understand that Jesus serves as my example. Jesus serves as my example. Every, every instance in the word that I see, he, ser he serves as my example. We were, talk we were talking about in, ch in church school this morning, we, we were talking a little bit about this because I understand we were talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And what, the whole, and what the Holy Spirit is doing. The Holy Spirit is in us to conform us. Who, what is he doing? He's conforming us to the image. He's conforming us to the image of who? He's conforming us to the image of Jesus. Ever, look at your neighbor. Turn to your neighbor. What, what you are seeing in your neighbor is the work of the Holy Spirit conforming them to the image of Christ. Amen. What you are seeing in your neighbor is the work of the now it's important it's important that you gotta you gotta look at it from the perspective of Paul because Paul said henceforth I will see no man what after the flesh after the flesh. So when I look at you, when I look at my brother and my sister, I look at, I have to look at them from the standpoint of the work of the Holy Spirit fashioning them, making them into the image of Christ. Amen. Does that does, does that make sense? Amen. It's important to that because it goes a long way in how we relate to one another. Because if I begin to look at you according to the flesh, 
I begin to see your faults and your shortcomings. But when, by, when I begin to look at you according to, to, to how, how Jesus sees you, uh, according to what the work of the Holy Spirit is doing, then I'm seeing the image of Christ being fashioned. You might not be where I am. I might not be where you are. But it does not discount the fact that the Holy Spirit is in you. He is in us. And he is fashioning us to the image of Christ. What I have to do is encourage you. What I have to do is pour into you. What I have to do is speak to you. Speak the word into you. That as that word is spoken, you, be, you are being transformed and fashioned into Christ. I've got, I've, got to, I've got to understand that. I've got to understand that. I've got to understand it. Jesus said, I have come that you have life and you have life more what? More abundantly. You know, and, 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 and that's what, that's, listen. Jesus said, I have come that you have life and that you have life more abundantly. That is a gift. That is a gift. It is a thief who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Is that right? It is a thief who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now, Jesus has come that you might have life, and through that you might have life more abundantly. The Holy Spirit is in me, and he is fashioning me into the image of Christ. The Holy Spirit is in us. He is fashioning us into the image of Christ. So, so that when God, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So when God looks at you, what does God see? Who does God see? God sees an image of Christ being fashioned. Now, the word also says he is alpha and what? Omega. So, so when God sees you, he sees you as a finished work. He sees you as a finished work. He sees you as one who has been made perfect. Why? Because of what Christ did. Because of the gift of Christ. Amen? Y'all should come to church school. Church school is good. Church school is good. Because, because we, listen, the thief comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Now, the word of God also says that he's a, and we talked about this last Sunday. He is the accuser of the brethren, isn't he? Huh? So what is he doing? He is going before God, right? And he is, he is accusing us. Now, the word also says, the word also says that he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, so the, so the liar and the father of lies is going before God. Huh? And he is accusing the brethren. Now, if he if he is a liar and the father of lies, then there is no truth in him. Yet, he is going to the father as the accuser of the brethren. Now, I want you to put that picture. If he's going to the father as the accuser of the brethren, yet he is a liar and there is no truth in him, then one would deduce from that that everything that he says to God is a lie. Everything he says to God is a lie. 
Why? Because God is not looking at you from a natural perspective. God is not looking at you or dealing with you from a natural perspective. God is dealing with you from a spiritual perspective. So when God looks at you, all he sees is the work of the Holy Spirit and you being fashioned into the image of Christ. In spite of what you did, how you messed up, how you failed, God still sees. God still sees that you are the image of Christ. Amen. We're going to tie all, we're going to tie all this together. God still sees that you are the image of Christ. Now, now, and, and we're going to go one further. Um, the, he is fashioning us into the image of Christ, right? How, who is, Jesus said, I'm the way, how, the truth, how, and the life, right? How, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, right? So he is fashioning us into what? He's fashioning us into the what? The way. The Holy Spirit is fashioning us into what? The truth. The Holy Spirit is fashioning us into what? The life, huh? Is that right? John 1 said, in the beginning was the what? And the word was with God. And the word what? Was God. The same was in the beginning with who? With God. All things were made by him. All, somebody say all things. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made huh, that was made. Listen, I, now, now you got to tie all this together. You have got to tie all this together. He, he, the Holy Spirit is in me, fashioning me, conforming me to the image of who? To the image of God, to the image of Christ, right? Huh? What is Christ? Christ is what? The Word. So the Holy Spirit is in me. He is conforming and fashioning me into what? Into the Word. Somebody say, the Word is being fashioned in me. The Word is being fashioned in me. The Word is being fashioned in me. I tell you, I, I, I wanted to do all this this morning. The Word, the word, the word is being fashioned into, into me. So, so I am becoming, say, I am becoming, I am becoming the Word. I am becoming the Word. I am becoming the Word. Listen, now, when, when, you, when you put all that stuff together, I am becoming quick. I am becoming powerful. I am becoming sharper than any two-edged sword. I am becoming one who pierces even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit. I am becoming one who is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I am becoming one who goes forth and does not return empty. I am becoming one who has purpose attached to them. I am becoming one who accomplishes every task for which I'm sent. That's what I am becoming. That is what I am becoming. And when God sees me, that's what God sees. God sees me as a perfected, a finished work. God sees, God sees me as a perfected and unfinished word. But it is dependent upon. Yeah, that was good. But it is dependent upon. What you see in Hebrews chapter 2, 12. Let us lay aside every weight and sin. And notice he said this so easily, so easily entangles us. So easily entangled us. I find 
which I would do, I do not. And that which I would not, I do. But Paul in that dialogue, what does he do? He fixes his eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith. Because what does he say at the end? He says, who shall? Who shall deliver me? Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Because, it, because at the end of the day, there's a me that wants to do good. And there's a me that doesn't. And every morning when I rise, both of them get up. Both of them get up. Both of them get up. And, and Elder ben, it's not a roll of the dice. Huh? I, I don't spread some cards out and pick one. It's, it becomes a choice. And it becomes a decision as to which one is going to rule my day. It becomes a decision as to which one is going to rule this moment. It becomes a choice, a decision as to which one is going to rule this situation. Is it the me that wants to or the me that doesn't? Which one is it? Now, what, what, set, what the distinction between the two is one brings life and one brings death. One brings victory and one brings defeat. One is full of purpose. And fulfillment. The others void and empty. So now I'm at this place. Where I make the decision. And I understand. You know what? Jesus is being fashioned. In me. The word is being fashioned. In me. And as, and, and as I understand that. The word is being fashioned in me. I've got determined that this race has to be run. This, this race has to be run with endurance. Because there are people on the sidelines who are watching me. Because I got something that they didn't get. It doesn't make what they have or what they've done of any less value. Because in my race, all I have to do is look over 
when times get tough and see that there is a witness who can attest to the fact that there's a reason I'm running this race. Are you following me? There is someone else who can attest to the fact that there is purpose behind my running this race. So when it gets hot, whether it's high or whether it's low, I am determined I have the patience. I have the patience to be able to press on. I have the determination to be able to press on. Because at the end of the day, I understand what is happening. Does it mean I'm going to do everything right? Absolutely not. Does, am I going to mess up? Yes. Am I going to mess up this week? Probably. I might even mess up today. Now, now, I should be grown and not be practicing messing up. Because, because as, as, as the word, now, now see, as the word is being fashioned in me, as I am, you know what, we, we need to start, we are becoming the word. We are becoming the word. You know, I, I, asked, the class, I asked the class this morning, I said, is there a difference in the word and scripture? Is there a difference? in the word and scripture. Because <laughs> because what are we all I need to go to the word. Huh? Is there a difference in the word and the scripture or are they the same thing? Now, now the, the scripture is holy. The scripture is holy. But is it the word? All scripture is given. All scripture is inspired by God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. And for training in righteousness. That's what scripture is for. That is what it has been given to me. To teach me. To correct me. To rebuke me. To train me in what is right. That's the scripture. But it's something about that word. It is something about that word that should take on a totally different meaning for me, a totally different perception for me. There is something about that word that has life to it, that even when I think about it, when I breathe on it, when I, there is something about that word that says, what is in me greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There is something about that word that is empowering. There is something about that word that is enabling that as that word is built and founded in you, when you go out, things happen. Amen. 
when you go out, things happen. And that is where, that is where you have the strength and the fortitude to run. To run. The last thing, the last thing. Why do you endure? Why? Why? It is for discipline that I endure. Because God is dealing with me as though I'm his son. God is dealing with me. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? And you know, a lot of times, a lot of times when we, when we think of discipline, what's the first word that comes to mind? Punishment. If you, if you talk to children, if you talk to children, the parent can say, I discipline him. But the child can say, I got punished. Is that right? Huh? I mean, y'all remember when you were little and your friends used to come to the door? Can Logan come out and play? You no, I can't come out and play. I'm on punishment. that goes with our perception. Discipline, training that produces obedience or self-control. Training that produces obedience or self-control. So, it, and, and it goes on to say, often in the form of rules and or punishment. So is the key, is the key word in that definition, is it punishment or is it training? It's training. It's training. Because at the end of the day, God is going to discipline. But you've got to look at it from the right perspective. He is, not, he is not condemning me. He is training me. He is training me. What has more significance in your life? The means or the purpose? What has more significance in your life? The means or the purpose? What's more important? How it happens or why it happens? Because what I understand 
when my focus is on how it happens, then I put myself in a position where now my engagement is based, is becomes conditional. Are you following me? When my focus is on how it happens, then I'm going to look at the conditions in which it is happening. Are they favorable or are they unfavorable? Are they good or are they bad? There is a destination I am trying to get to. There is a destination I am trying to get to. I get up in the morning. When I walk out my house, the sun is shining. It's clear. That's a good day, Lady Jackson. I can get in my car and I can go. The next morning, I got to go back to the same destination. I get up in the morning, come out the door, and it's pouring down rain. It's even hailing. And I see lightning and I hear thunder. Does it change how I feel about going to my destination? I get up the next morning, Elder Benjamin. I look out the door. And now it's three feet of snow. And I've got to get to my destination. I'm I thank you, though. <laughs> I asked the question, what's more important, the means or the purpose? Now, that is a good analogy. That is a good analogy. Because, because when, I work up, when I wake up with purpose in mind, it does not matter what I see when I open that door. What matters to me is the purpose in which I rose. So whether it's three feet of snow or 75 degrees, clear and sunny, purpose tells me that I have got to get out of this door and get to my destination. Purpose tells me that there is somewhere I have to go there is somewhere I have to pee and come hell or high water. I am determined that I'm going to get there. Nothing is going to stop me from getting to where I'm supposed to go. So when it comes to the discipline of God, it's not about how he does it. It's more important that he does it 
Why? Because it's purpose. Because there is purpose that is tied into that. Why? Because he calls me his son. And because he calls me his son, there is a destiny that he has for my life. There's a perfection that he has for me. Gift of the Father. Gift of the Father. Listen. You are the Word being made live in this earth. You are As you submit to the Spirit of God and the discipline of God, what you become is the Word walking and living and breathing. And everything that God has said about His Word in Scripture applies to you. Because you have become, because you have become.